Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And the booth is getting lonely again. Oh, yes, yeah, I know. It's uh, it's uh, Sam Ziggy Rodriguez is here, uh, but Tom, alas, is not with us. I did try to create a Tom Dorian sock puppet, but you said the hair wasn't good enough. <laughs> wasn't good enough. It so. did not do it justice. And all kidding aside, we praying for for Tom. He's uh, in quarantine. Yep. I mean, we still can't shake this whole pandemic thing, which is okay. We're doing the best we can here at the Catholic Cafe, but we'll miss Tom. He's in quarantine. We'll just pray for him, and uh, I think he's been exposed to COVID. You know, he had heard such good things about the golfing in Wuhan, and we told him... (laughs) Don't go. We should should wait. (laughs) Stay away from the bat hors (laughs) d'oeuvres. No, seriously, though, you know, it's hard, it's hard to make light of stuff like that. It you is. know, it's, we yeah. try to joke our way through a pandemic, but it's it's been some serious uh, stuff. And uh, and uh, we, we wish Tom well, and we hope to see him back here soon. Uh, um, and, and certainly uh, uh, other people who have experienced that, we, we cannot wait to get to the end of this pandemic. And, you know, it is, this is something that has impacted each of our lives so profoundly, uh, not just in terms of changing the trajectory of our everyday uh, lives and routines, but, I mean, so many people uh, have lost loved ones, friends, immediate yep. family members. It's uh, the landscape of our lives will never look the same after yeah. this. Yeah, I agree 100%. And so we are, we are just... Lord, we're ready and willing. Amen. So let's uh, pray for uh, uh, just all these vaccines to start to kick in, and and hopefully by summertime we'll see some some great progress in that regard. So that being said, we do need to talk about what we're going to talk about. Yes. And so we will carry on without uh, Thomas Patrick Dorian, and we're going to talk about, you know, so this weekend's readings, um, all good readings, lots of stuff going on, but I wanted to focus on the second reading, this uh, the, the the New Testament reading, it's a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians uh, from the sixth chapter. And I, I I think it's something that, you know, you were talking about, like, hey, we could talk about this, we could talk about that, we could talk about this, all these different things. And it's like, you know, we, this one doesn't always get focus enough. I agree. And, uh, and I actually think that it's probably one of the key issues that we got going on in the world. I agree with that, if too. We, if we got... If we got issues, and we do have issues, I have a couple of them, yeah, yeah, uh, we we well, we have ten issues. Get it? Ten issues. Hey, oh, uh, we have a yeah. Sound like <laughs> it's a dad joke. After you this know, uh, whole uh, quarantine thing, we're going to go on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we're not. comedy. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> so let's look at first, first Corinthians chapter six, starting uh, in the thirteenth uh, uh, verse. There, the body is not for immorality, but. For the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So there's some there's some powerful words there. Oh, yeah. And we don't hear that a lot. And I will tell you this. Those words, especially there at the tail end, 
that's not what you hear resonating from the people that kind of stand out in the public square with yeah. signs. You know, uh, the secular world will tell you, and really the exact opposite. I mean, you don't see things like, uh, well, unless you go to a Christian rally, <laughs> you're not going to see, I was purchased for a price, you know? Right, right. You're not going to see that. In fact, you'll see my body, my choice. You'll see it's, yep. this is about me and my body. So I guess we just kind of want to, let's, let's, let's kind of take this apart a little bit, uh, what's going on here. And what does it mean to say that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? I mean, we should probably start there. Okay. What does that mean, Sam? Help me understand what it means that your body's a temple. Well, you know, that God, we just celebrated Christmas, right? We're, we're celebrating the incarnation where Jesus uh, took on flesh to make his dwelling among us. What we have to be grounded in is the, the truth that he also wants to make his dwelling within each of us. And it is by the Holy Spirit that he does exactly that. You know, I've heard it said that the work of the Holy Spirit is to incarnate Christ within us. And, uh, and so, you know, through the power of baptism... Uh, that process begins in terms of the divine indwelling of uh, the most holy trinity within us. And it can take on different shapes and manifestations you, as you grow into this relationship with God. It, you know, it's going to look different at different periods in a person's spiritual life. But at every point, the reality is that the Holy Spirit is within each of us. The same Holy Spirit that is responsible for every single miracle that Jesus brought about every single, but also well, every, he was present or, or he, involved in all of those and active fully in all of those. Yes, yes. but also through that he brought about also through the saints, but also but also in creation. He hovered above and the he waters. hovered above the waters. Right? Everything uh, in the, the the baptism of the Lord that we just we just had readings on. So it's like I I get that, and I just I just keep going back to that word temple. Yeah. And we don't see our bodies in that way and. Uh, you mentioned the incarnation, and what's one of the things? There's so many things, but one of the things that's so special about just understanding fully theologically what happened in the incarnation is yeah. that spirit takes on flesh. So we can extrapolate, or maybe further dive into that and realize, well, that makes that that makes flesh something special, right? So, so in the same way that we have spirit, that we are spirit and flesh, our flesh is not like this. Uh, uh, just nasty mess. This broken, fallen, nasty, uh, irredeemable lump of sin and yuck. And the spirit is good because that's a heresy. Right. right. We get into dualism and things like that where we start to separate our spirit from our flesh. Our flesh, I mean, God looked at creation and, and saw every day he saw the same thing, that it was good. So this brings us also to the theology of the body. And so far as, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of folks only think of theology of the body in terms of sex and sexuality matters. But the fact is that theology of the body is robust enough to touch almost every aspect of our faith yes. life. And because God desire, you know, think about this. God could have, it's, you know, God in his infinite wisdom, he made the choice to take the road of salvation that he took. He could have brought about salvation for his children, um, you know, God being God and capable of anything, without taking on flesh, arguably, right? Who are we to put a, to put a limitation on he God? He could have sent an email. 
and and he could have said, "Look, uh, I am I am FedExing you." His God probably would have chosen FedEx. I am FedExing you a, a, a strawberry cake, and all you have to do is eat some strawberry cake, have a party, wear a party hat, and you're all safe. Well, yeah, you know that's a good point. He does make the rules, so he does get to define like what salvation is. And but the, the point I'm making here is. You know, Paul says that God has a plan to redeem our bodies. You know, Jesus took on flesh and, and, and sent down the Holy Spirit to incarnate God within us precisely because God wants to redeem our bodies. He doesn't want us to just look at our bodies as the evil things that get us in trouble. That's right. No, exactly right. No, and, that, and, that's, and that's a great point because when we are saved, to use a good Protestant term, when we're saved... It, it's not just our spirit that's saved, right? It's our spirit and our body, and and we and we talk of and our theology includes a glorified body at, at our resurrection. Like, yeah, a lot when, of people don't realize that we're going to have a glorified body, just like Jesus had his glorified body. I just Easter. hope my glorified body is better looking. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> it's just simple, and I have more hair. I hope mine has abs. <laughs> <laughs> all that's. I guess we don't get to choose, but. So you're right. A lot of times, instantly. Uh, so this this idea that that uh, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit is powerful. Yeah. You know, and and so we need to remember. Well, and what that means is like, I know as a, as a kid, I remember. You know, my mom would say to me like, "Well, don't do that in church. Don't say that in church. Don't say that in front of the priest." Don't, like, so when we're around holy people, right, right, or we're, when we're in church, we need to be on our best behavior. Right. If we're in our room, we can mess around, make all kinds of noise or whatever. And then even some of us in our, into our adult years have gotten to the point where we may be things are special in church. Right. Well, there's a reason why we see that as a special place because God is present there. Or we know God is present there and we, we recognize that and it's consecrated, set apart. Well, in the same way, we need to understand that our bodies mm-hmm. are consecrated and set apart, especially with our baptism, right? It's a, essentially a consecration. Yeah. And it's a dedication of who we are and what we are to whom we belong. And, and, and that's the thing that we need to understand that we're a walking, talking church. God wants us to have reverence for the gift of our bodies and to receive our bodies as a gift and to exercise stewardship over that gift and, and even a piety towards that gift Amen. with a recognition that it's sacred. So, now, firstly, our, our minds go, you mentioned kind of before, but like when we see the word immorality, you know, so-and-so is so, something is immoral, we usually think in terms of human sexuality. And I'll be honest with you, that's one of the big focal points in the sinful world that we're in. Yeah. You know, if you, in fact, you think about it, you go back to the Garden of Eden. Right. Right. And what was the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they realized, when they ate from the fruit, when they committed the sin, what was the very first act that they did is they sewed clothes on. Right. And you think like, why? I mean, why clothes? Why, why did they do that? Well, because they instantly, want, they were lusting. Yes. I mean, they went right to the sexual sins right. immediately. I, I mean, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I'm thinking like, why else would you cover yourself? Well, if they're going to take that fruit for their taking, all of a sudden now they they see the other as something to be taken. Th- that, an object. An object, And in what yes. way are they taking the other? Well, if they're, they're going to own them with their eyes. Right. And right? if they see me this way, or if I see them this way, they probably see me this way too. S- hence, 
that clothing is uh, their own way of protecting themselves from the other, the only other person on the planet. Right. <laughs> you know? And it's just so instantly. So, so this idea of sexual sin has been with us a very long time. Oh, yes, yes. So, but it's not just about the human sexuality, that, that immorality we're talking about, but we're gonna, there's a lot more to extrapolate here, and we're going to continue to go down this path and talk about these things. But first, we're going to take a break. Uh, I, sounds like a good idea. Good idea. I need a nap. Right. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. and uh, But before we take that break, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. I should say, if you're still on Facebook and Twitter, we want to be a light in the darkness. So we're going to kind of hang out there for a while till we get kicked off. So uh, wish us luck on that. Pray for us, uh, and we'll certainly pray for you. We'll be right back after this. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. In 1904, a humble religious brother named Blessed André Bassett began building a shrine in honor of St. Joseph in Montreal, Canada. Brother André was born into a family of ten children. He said his great devotion to St. Joseph came from the example of his father and the teaching of his mother. His father was a lumberjack who died in a tragic accident when André was only nine. His mother died three years later of tuberculosis, which left all ten children as orphans. When André was only 12 years old, he was forced to leave school and travel in order to find work. He wandered from job to job and eventually ended up in the United States as a textile worker. He was a diligent worker and excelled at his trade, even though he was in poor health. In 1870, he returned to Canada and applied to enter the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal. With some reluctance, the superiors of the order agreed to accept him and assigned him the menial tasks in the community. Just as St. Joseph said yes to God's call and obediently consented to Christ's mission of salvation, Blessed André carried out his duties with a spirit of obedience and joy, even though they were the most humbling and tedious of tasks. His superiors kept a close eye on him, wondering if they had made a mistake in accepting him to the order. Brother André said, when I entered the community, my superior showed me the door, and I remained there for 40 years without leaving. Blessed André began to greet the physically and emotionally troubled who came to visit his community. For nearly 25 years, he received visitors for six to eight hours a day. His reputation for healings and cures became widespread. He did not like being known as a miracle worker. He once said, people are silly to think that I can perform miracles. It is God and St. Joseph who can heal you, not I. In today's modern culture, St. Joseph stands as a model for all Christian fathers. He emulates what it means to protect, provide, and nurture a Christian family. Knowing this, Brother Andre said, When you invoke St. Joseph, you don't have to speak much. You know your Father in Heaven knows what you need. Well, so does his friend St. Joseph. Today, the Shrine to St. Joseph, built by Brother Andre, is now a magnificent basilica that thousands of pilgrims visit each year. They come seeking the same healing and renewal thousands received from Blessed Andre during his life. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And I am Deacon Jeff, and we are back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez, and Ziggy, we're talking... Oh, you're supposed to say yes. Yep, that's Okay, me. very good. And we, <laughs> and we were talking about this second reading from uh, the Corinthians, the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, when we're talking about, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So let's talk about that for a second. You are not your own. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So the thing that comes to mind uh, here uh, was when Humana Vitae was was revealed in the 1960s, released in the 1960s, uh, under the uh, Pope Paul VI. And we know Pope John Paul uh, II, then uh, Cardinal Carol Watia, or Card- uh, Carol Cardinal Watia, uh, <laughs> was uh, helped write it. We don't know, uh, you know, what parts he contributed and which parts he didn't. But um, there were four predictions that are made in Humana Vitae about what will happen to our culture if uh, artificial contraception becomes the norm. Yeah, we've talked about those. There's a show we have on contraception where we talk about those four uh, premonitions. The four, yes, exactly. <laughs> and some, some people call them prophecies. Yes. And, and you know, the fourth one is, is the thing that really sticks out uh, as being relevant to well, this particular real reading. Quick. So the first one is uh, infidelity and moral decline. Okay, so you can... Check. Check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, loss, of, loss of respect for women. Oh, check. Check. And we can actually expand that to women, men, children. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, everything. Trafficking and, yes. and pornography. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, yeah. Okay, check. A- abusive power. Check. Yes. Uh, and now we have, and, and that includes also, you know, uh, governments exercising dominion through eugenics and stuff like that. Right. So that's the abuse of power thing yeah. where governments basically take control and say, you're not having any more babies. Right. So check. Yes. <laughs> and then lastly, and this is the fourth one, uh, that people will uh, feel entitled to exercise dominion over their own bodies. Self-dominion, right. So I can do whatever I want. So if I want to be a different gender, if I want to have a... Uh, a, a certain uh, thing cut off or a thing added on. If I, whatever I want to do to my body, it's my body, my choice. I can do, and whatever happens to be growing within it, yeah, is it's my body, so I can decide whether or not. Right, and so all of those things, all four of those things that you mentioned, essentially go right to the heart of what St. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about here. Especially the fourth one. You are not your own. Yeah, your body doesn't belong to you. You were right. ransomed at a price. Yeah, you were, you, were, you were bought with a price. You know, and that price is Jesus Christ on the cross. Yes. So it wasn't like, it, was like, it wasn't like forty seven fifty. you know. Right. It wasn't like a little bit of money or whatever. It's like essentially God's very life. Well, because we don't get to uh, we don't get to objectify Jesus in the same way we were talking about, like you know, Adam and Eve. They wanted to cut their put. You know, they wanted to cover up. Uh, you know, so they they see each other as they're they're objectifying each other, and they don't want to be objectified. We don't get to just take the gift that's being made from get, from Christ on the cross on our own terms. He's God. We don't get to exercise dominion over that gift. He's God giving us a free gift that we may receive, but. In so doing, yeah, he gets to set the terms. He, we are receiving the gift of salvation, but he's there to redeem 
our bodies yeah. as well as our soul. And we don't get to exercise dominion. We don't get to do whatever we want. But also that includes not just the things that we've been talking about. It also includes the decisions we make about our food, about alcohol and other vices that yeah, we so might it goes have. Beyond, Everything. It goes beyond the uh, what the traditional sense of morality that we've, we've grown accustomed to in human sexuality. And there is so much aberration there. Let's not be... Uh, yeah. I'm not going to dance. That, that's like lots of stuff going on there. But also just what your body is because if it is the church what are the things that you wouldn't do in church lie steal you know all the things that like in a church so in your body why are we lying and why are we stealing and why are we uh why are we treating ourselves in a way that diminishes the like in a church you wouldn't go and like bust out the windows and you wouldn't do all these things you wouldn't do things that were um unbefitting of the structure itself so you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to mess with the structure of the church right when the same way with our bodies what are we putting into our bodies what are we eating what are we consuming not just food but what are we filling our minds with Right? Is it mindless drivel? Are we making sure we we uh, 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 spend way too much time on Netflix or whatever binge watching, uh, whatever the latest thing is? And I'm not saying you can't do that. What I am saying is that we are be- we you are what you eat. Yeah. Right. And so you are what you consume, and you become that. And so we have to be very very mindful of the fact that like if our body is actually a temple, if it is a church, if it is a tabernacle, if it's a holy. Thing and a holy place. We have to take care of it. We have to take care of it. And and the, the other thing that comes to mind, just you know, as a, a level of vulnerability to our audience here, I'm someone who has literally more times than I can count gone into the confessional to confess that uh, whether it's food or alcohol, by the way, Boop. to say <laughs> this has been censored to protect <laughs> Sam Rodriguez. No, no. <laughs> but just to say, but but just to go in to say, you know that. I have, uh, there's vice in how I look at food, you know, and trying to turn to that for my pleasure or alcohol for my pleasure. I I think there's lots of people that are in the boat where, whether it's food or alcohol, but any other, like shopping, uh, cigarettes. I was a cigarette smoker for many years. Things that, things that we end up doing and we end up, we, and I guess we just don't realize what an effect, a negative effect that, that can and does have on our bodies. But I can tell you, I saw growth in a variety of, and I'm listen we're always going to be struggling with things in our in our life you're you know if our faith is about rebirth renewal renewal re- resurrection we're always going to be a beginner at something in our faith life in every, every given time we're always going to be struggling with something and I struggle with any number of those things I haven't struggled with smoking for a while you know thanks be to God by his grace but I'll tell you this taking those things into the confessional makes a difference seeking sacramental grace praying about it not just looking at dieting as saying oh i just want to look better you know but really saying all right god you gave me a body help me care about it let me take care of it let me take care of it yes amen no then that's 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 valid but at the same time i also don't want to diminish where people are now with human sexuality yeah, and just how it's it's literally, and some of that's actually destroying the body in physical ways. Oh yeah, right. When you have uh, you know uh, people doing uh, various alterations and gender supposed uh, you know transformations of of biological sex and things like that, these operations and whatnot are actually uh, destroying the life giving potential of uh, young human beings. Yes. Right. And it's, so it's, 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 it's not, not good and not holy. And the problem is it's because of this idea of self dominion. And we, so we have to be, 
we have to be very, very, very aware of the danger of this. But I want to go to the very last line of the scripture that, yeah. that is in the reading, and that is um, that, therefore, so after hearing all of this, St. Paul says, therefore, glorify God in your body. So yeah. not only just, quote unquote, take care of it, you know, lose a little weight, stop the smoking, don't do the drinking so much, just in moderation, but to glorify God in your body. So that, that is actually going the other direction. So not, not only are we stopping the backward slide into destroying our bodies, we actually have to build up our bodies. I'm not talking about bodybuilding. I'm just talking about glorifying God in our body, using our body in a way that glorifies God. Yeah. And that's hard, too, because a lot of people say, like, hey, if you got it, flaunt it. I mean, all the different, the way the secular world sees the body. So you were praying for six packs, maybe. <laughs> but six packs and you'd be wearing a loose T-shirt over the top of it, right? <laughs> well, and, and by the way, like, I, I want to make something clear. You know, I don't, it's not that enjoying things and having pleasure is inherently sinful. It was God's idea to give us pleasure. Yes, amen. And there's pleasures yes. in sex mm-hmm. and sexuality God created, and he created things to be pleasurable. But we need to make sure that we're building our life around God and not pleasure, and we're doing things right. in a well-ordered way. So human sexuality is a beautiful gift. Yeah. And so when it is, when that gift is actually utilized in the context in which it was intended, right. which is in the marital embrace, well, it's a it's beautiful. Yes, that and that glorifies God. Yes, you know it's interesting. Like in some of the Eastern forms of marriage, they hold a crucifix between them, oh. the, the bride and the groom, and it's like neither of you let go of this. That there is actually a third party in your marriage. Well, it's a return to the garden, right? We're not we're not taking fruit that we're not that's not belong that, that we're not allowed to take. We are if a husband and wife they are making a gift of themselves to one another. In God. So it's in communion with God that they're making these gifts. When we receive the goods of the earth, including things that are pleasurable to enjoy and, and eat or whatever, we're receive, let, let us receive them in communion with God. And, and, and thanksgiving. Let's offer that him thanks. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, I do. we're running out of time here. I want to just get one last little thing, and that is, this is like there's a sister verse to me, and that's St. Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, chapter 12. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourself to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. So those words, I mean, they're like, it's a sister verse, because essentially this tells you what we need to be doing. Yes. Right? We need to, our, we, our bodies are holy. We need to raise them up, lift them up, and essentially give them to God. And then our, our, our mind, our heart, our spirit follows in that way. So it's a beautiful, beautiful way. So glorify God in your body. And you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary can actually help us if we pray, especially if we have the temptations. She can guide us through Amen. all of this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.